Would you bow your heads with me, Jesus? As we prepare our hearts to hear from you today, the most important thing is, is that we speak to you directly, that we want to hear from you. It's so easy to think about somebody else. Maybe the message is for somebody else, but the words to the songs have helped prepare our hearts to let you build into our lives so we can build into other people's lives. That's the whole purpose for the kingdom of heaven starting in the hearts and minds of people while they're alive on earth. We want you to guide us today. We ask your spirit to speak to us individually, specifically, Lord Jesus. Teach us today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks to the worship team. Great job, you guys, today. Thank you so much. A couple things before we get started this morning. We have baptisms today. Uh, there's been information. We've been advertising it for several weeks. You come on out. We're going to have so much food. It won't be, it'll be crazy, man. The thing of it is, is we're not feeding anybody before they're baptized or they're going to go down in and not come back up well. So, so we got five, six, seven people. I don't know what it is. People to be baptized. There's directions on the back table there. Friends of ours, the Candas, who love the Lord Jesus Christ, who have dedicated their property to the Lord, you come on out and see if you don't sense the presence of the Lord there. Now, you got to be there at 2 o'clock sharp. Be there at 2 o'clock sharp. If you need help up and down, there's two golf carts because there's a little bit of an incline down to the water and back. Come on out. To the, we're going to have a great time today, good time of fellowship. So be there at 2 o'clock sharp if you can because uh, we're doing baptisms first. And then we are going to eat and fellowship afterwards, have a bunch of other things going on. Second thing I want to let you know is every week in the back of your uh, sermon notes, if you're new here, there's a set of notes on your program there. Uh, We have our goals on the back for you to pray through. The very first one there about the simulcast, uh, we've been looking and working into that, but we have just discovered that the internet out here, Lifeline is fine out here at Lifehouse. It's just not consistent and good enough. No matter what we do or what we purchase, we cannot get it to the place where it's consistent enough. So the board has put that on hold for right now, so we'll be updating you and informing you as we move on with that. All right? All right. How many of you recognize this graphic that Derek's going to put up there for me? I call her Long Island Iced Tea because she's got to be drinking the iced tea. Some of you drink alcohol, you know what I mean by that. Yikes. A friend of yours comes up to you. They've been a Christian for 10, 12, 14 years, and they ask you this question. What do you think about mediums? You know, somebody in between that speaks in between and talks in between, and so you, having read the Bible, hopefully, having been taught, having been understand, you would answer according to what you know to be biblical, not according to your opinion. Because our opinion is our opinion. But biblically, we want to give somebody, when it comes to something spiritual, uh, truth. It is amazing if you take a look at how many of these individuals have been there and been out on, in the TV and all of a sudden they're missing in action, right? And so you want a little bit of what's gotten into you as you study the Scriptures, as you've learned, as you've seen different perspectives, you want to get a little bit of that out to them. And that's what I want to talk to you today about. A little bit of what's gotten into us, getting a little bit of that out. In the top of your notes, I have the phrase up there, enters into. And if you have a smartphone, you can pull your smartphone out. You can go to the Bible app, and all of the notes from today are also on that. I have the words enters into because Jesus is always drawing these pictures. You probably know something about yeast, especially if you make pizza. 
Or you probably know something about the, the word leaven that has it, is the effect of it all. But in Jesus' time, they would have a batch of dough that had yeast and or leaven in it. And they would have it set off to the side, cover or whatever. And whenever they would go to make something, the process was like this. They would take and they would take flour and they would take water and salt and whatever else you want to put in it, you know, a little garlic, you know, a little basil. Uh, and they would put it in there and they start to mix it together. And then the woman, I'm sorry guys, a woman would go and she would take a little bit of what was already leavened, already had yeast in it, take it over to the flour and water and start to mix it in and mix it in and mix it in. No matter how much she had, she would take that so that that yeast would work all the way through the dough. Jesus used these picture words. When he said he wanted you to be light, he wants you to be the light of the world. Salt, add a little bit of flavor. Yeast, this picture of yeast today I want to talk to you about has how it affects us or how it can affect us and how we are supposed to affect everybody else because a little bit can make a big difference. If you don't think about anything else about the teaching of a little bit of yeast can get into this big pack and make a big difference. And Jesus says to you today, you think you're just a little Christian? You think you're really not that gifted? You don't have as big a mouth as I do, whatever it might be? You can make a huge difference. Okay, let's take a look at a couple different things in your notes. First, I want to talk to you about the yeast of complacency. The yeast of complacency. This is from the passage of Scripture uh, in 1 Corinthians 5. And complacency is something that can enter into people and stuff. Oftentimes, if I get ready to go on a, a vacation, I'm getting on a plane, I'm hoping the pilot is not complacent. I'm hoping he's not thinking, man, I've done this 200 times, I can do this with my eyes closed. I'm thinking, you know, if he says, you know, most of the time everything says, you know, you're supposed to bank at about 3 degrees. He's, he's bored. He said, let's try 10 degrees, you know. Complacency sometimes can be a bad thing. And when it gets into the church, this passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians, how does a Christian become complacent? How does the yeast of that get inside each and every one of us? That's what I like to look at here. Here's this passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians 5. I, I only have starting in verse 6, but if you open your Bible, you'll see what had happened. A man is sleeping, listen, with his father's wife. Uh, from some of the stuff I read, it looked like it was a stepmom. But and he says, and you're proud of it. And you're proud of it. Shouldn't you have put this person out? What has happened to you that you've gotten to the place where you've gotten so complacent that you're actually literally boasting about it? Look at verse 6. Your boasting is not good. That's the context of it. You know, sometimes we boast about stupid stuff. And they got to the place they seemed to be boasting about. It. Like, oh, look at this cool thing going on. He says, don't you know that a little, here's the word, yeast. A little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough. Don't you know that this is going to affect the entire church? Just a little bit that gets in there. And you guys, how are you taking care of your church? Why are you allowing this to happen? Why are you allowing this to go on? Verse 7, get rid of the old yeast so that you may be a new unleavened batch, which is a picture of someone without this sin, as you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Closes with this picture, the sacrificial lamb. You get the picture of the Passover in the Old Testament? The blood of a lamb was supposed to be put on the doorpost. The blood of a lamb. And the death angel would pass over whenever he saw the blood of the lamb. And Jesus shows up on the scene and John says, Behold, the lamb of God 
who takes away the sins of the world. God now offers up His Lamb that takes away the sins of the world. Why would a Christian ever boast about their sin? Sometimes it enters very subtly. You know, you go to a, somewhere, you're checking out, the, you're supposed to get $7 in change and you get $10 and you got a few extra dollars and you think, well, it's too late now, I'm already I'm heading out and heading off to the car and we think to ourselves, you know, if we were cheated $2, we would say, hey, hey, hey you cheated us out, but when it's the other way around, we tend to get a little complacent. We say, you know, well, they made the mistake. It was not my mistake. They, they made the mistake. But is stealing stealing when you know it? You know, don't you know, Evan, that a little yeast leavens the whole batch? Don't you know that if you'll sin just a little or cheat just a little, it isn't a matter of size, it's a matter of cheating. I bought this car. I paid $10,000 for this car. When I went to the title bureau, I only told them I made 5000 I saved hundreds of dollars in taxes, and we're boasting about it. And the passage of Scripture says, your boasting is not good. We cheat and lie, and somehow we're boasting about it. I ask myself, ask you, complacency, it works all through our lives. If we cheat over here, we'll cheat over there. Whatever that sin is, sometimes the Corinthians' problem was boasting about sexual immorality and incest, and they're proud of it. And he says, this is a kind that pagans don't even put up with. And it's being put up in your church. We have a lot of different things that are going on in our country. In our country, it's working its way into the church. You know, people are proud of a lot of their sins. They'll have parades. Pride parade, right? They're proud of their sins. Everybody else that may accuse them or say, no, they're proud of it. Don't you ever ask yourself the questions, why don't thieves have a parade? We're proud of the fact that we're thieves. We're proud of the fact that we're salesmen and we lied. To why, don't, why don't, it almost seems silly, doesn't it? Why don't people who deceive and lie, why don't they have a parade? Have a parade, put it out there, it's out there. I'm concerned sometimes, folks, life Line Church was a church that the sins of sexual immorality got inside of it. And it, they, the, the people over top, the people running that Episcopal church said that we will ordain all kinds of people no matter what their sexuality. And the people that were in that church said, the Bible doesn't teach that we can't live that way. So they said, adios, and they kicked them out. And we exist in a building now that sold to us, even though that congregation had paid it off. We have to be careful that sin is some type of complacency that gets inside of us because it affects the entire body. Are you sure that you're not boasting about something that is wrong, something that is illegal, something that is sin? A little yeast gets into you. A little yeast gets into the church. Paul said, put this person out of your church. Make sure your church knows and understand. We don't want to be unkind, but we want to be careful that we don't cowpow to things that are wrong. And the Bible teaches us, you know, they thought that they could be a follower of Jesus Christ and still act the way that they acted. How does a Christian go from living for Jesus Christ and all of a sudden boasting about their sin? Complacency. Ask yourself the question, have I gotten complacent? 
there's a real danger out there that teaches once you are saved, you are always saved. And that is so dangerous. I find so many people living in sin saying, well, the blood of Jesus Christ covers over all of it. Paul instructed them not to even associate with this person. And here was the whole purpose, with the hope that they would see what they were doing was wrong and they would turn around and get right. How would you know? How would I know if I had gotten complacent in my life, in my Christian life? I would say, well, ask yourself, what, what is it that you boast about? Evan, what do you boast about? What is it that you boast about? What is it you think, you know, have you, you think you know too much of the Bible uh, more than other people? You think you become judgmental? What is it that you boast about a little bit? Then all I would ask you to do is pray and just say, Spirit of God, is there some area of my life that I have gotten complacent in and this has gotten into my life? Because the yeast of complacency will affect myself, my family, and my church. Number one. There's the yeast of complacency. Number two, fill it in with me. This is the yeast of religiosity. Religiosity. All right? Have you ever thought uh, something was as plain as day? you ever thought to yourself, this is as plain as day? You know, no matter how thick-headed somebody would be, they would just say, you know, this is plain as day. And I think about, uh, I don't know, some of you know about uh, Carlos uh, Santana from the Cleveland Indians. He is from the Dominican Republic, and he went through the whole process of becoming a legalized American. And you think it's plain as day. There's a process to go through. Why would we let people who go around the process be a part of our country? It doesn't seem plain as day. I'm not trying to get political. I'm just trying to think. And then I think to myself, they're all in here, millions of illegal. How about if all of us give them free health care? That makes... I mean, it just doesn't seem... To make any sense. I think to myself, here's Jesus. He's, he's in this boat with the disciples. And he's telling them something that is plain as day. And they're not picking it up. I'm not going to be too hard on them because this, I'm this way too. You're this way. Sometimes we back off, we slow up a little bit. We say, what is it that Jesus is trying to teach? And the, the uh, Pharisees and the Sadducees had come to him with their religiosity. And they said, Jesus, you know, uh, if you're who you say you are, show us some miracle. Show us some sign. And Jesus taught them this, something that's taught all through the Bible. A wicked and an adulterous generation is looking for a sign. Because signs can be faked. Jesus said, you have the word of God, you have my life. He trusted the word of God more than he did miracles and signs. A wicked generation. Oh, everybody said, you know, if you really follow Jesus, you'll be healed. Really? That means you never die. Because death is a part of, I digress. Religiosity, here is Jesus in Matthew, the 16th chapter, verse 5. When they went across the lake, the disciples forgot to take bread. Be careful, Jesus said to them. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. They discussed this among themselves and said, It is because we didn't bring any bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked, You of little faith, why are you talking among yourselves about having no bread? Now, I didn't have space for this, but you have your Bible. You open your Bible, you look. Jesus takes verse 9 and verse 10, and he says, Guys, don't you remember? We fed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread, and you had basketfuls left over. We fed 4,000 with seven loaves of bread, and you had basketfuls left over. In other words, he's saying, why would you be worried about bread? We've already shown the fact that if we need something to eat, we, I can take care of it. Verse 11, how is it you don't understand that I was not talking to you about bread, 
Doesn't it seem to be plain as day? Wouldn't even a thick-headed Evan or a disciple get this? But be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood that he was not telling them to guard against the yeast used in bread, but against the teachings of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Isn't it interesting? Jesus wouldn't give up on his illustration because that's how we learn. Jesus is the best illustrator there is. Jesus never said the teachings of the Pharisees and Sadducees. That word was used by the disciples. They finally got it. Jesus kept pounding the yeast, the yeast, so that they would see how it gets into you and to be careful of that. Now, the question is, is who would the Pharisees and Sadducees be for you and me? Because as we're reading this, they're not around, but they represent people in the day who were religious leaders, who knew the Bible, they knew the Old Testament, who were guiding and, and giving people guidance and direction. And if that's the case, then today you and I need to go the same route. Whether it's a pastor or somebody on TV or a priest or a rabbi or a bishop. If somebody's in religious leadership, you are responsible to take a look and make sure that what they're teaching is accurate. He's saying, just because they hold this position... Don't trust them. He says to Christians, just because they hold a position, don't trust them. You come to this church, you have total freedom to open up the Scriptures, to take a look at the Scriptures and challenge something that may have been taught, maybe mistakenly, whatever it might have been, and we'll come back and say, we messed up there. Jesus is telling them, be careful of people that have these titles. Now, here's the thing that I, I, I want you to be careful about. Oftentimes, people think, well, I'm going to do whatever my religious leader tells me. And if it's wrong, it'll be on them. Wrong. You read the Scriptures over and over. What a person does, they're personally responsible for. You will not be able to go and say, well, you know, uh, I, I, I was doing everything I was told even though it was all wrong. You and I have to be personally responsible to take a look into the Scriptures and understand. Because if you open the Bible, Israel was warned over and over. Paul comes along, he was warned that his readers over and over wrote more books in the New Testament. Peter, we're looking at First and Second Peter, he's warning them about false teachers because if they get in, they can teach something that will get you out of heaven. Out of eternal life. It's quite obvious that Jesus continually taught these three words. Every one of you here has the great ability in these days to check out anything I check out. Take these three words, do a word search in the Gospels, and see what Jesus taught on watch out for. Write it down. Watch out for. Do a, put those three words and do a word search and see how many times Jesus is telling people what to watch out for. We can't just lollygag around and trust short little old guys like me to teach you something that you don't know if it's accurate. You better know it's accurate. You have the right to check. This yeast can get in. by re- And Jesus, a pitcher paints a thousand words, a little bit of yeast, a little bit of teaching. Some people think, you know, well, I believe, you know, seven out of ten things that are right and the other three, who knows, do they disqualify me? Is it possible they disqualified it because they're affecting my actions, what I do? I mean, it's obvious to you, I hope, that not buy into all religious teachers. I hope 
that you will learn from this teaching right here that Jesus is teaching his disciples. He's teaching you me, don't trust the yeast or the teachings of Check it out. The one consistent for thousands of years is the Word of God. Check it out with the Word of God. Watch the teachers and the lives of the people. Who, what they, I mean, can you recognize heresy? Can you recognize when somebody's teaching you all of this stuff, but you never hear that you're going to go through trials? God has a blessing for you, but you're really, if you're going through a trial, it's probably something you did wrong. Have you read the book of Job? The entire book of Job is proving that wrong. His three friends kept telling him, you did something wrong. And he says, I don't know what it is, and I don't think I did. And he didn't. To prove the fact that you suffer on this earth. I'm sorry. We live in a fallen world. That's the truth. God still reigns and makes a promise that inside you and me, the kingdom of heaven can just be established and we can go on from there. I mean, folks, we've all been this. Has nobody here ever bought the Ronco knife from TV like me? Come on. I bought several years back this thing you attach to your drill. The advertisement was just superb. I knew I needed it, so I ordered it. $9.99, I'm sure it was. And I got it. And it, it, it takes this drywall screws and you put it on and it just seats it just so every time. Yeah, Joel, you would have loved it, man. Just it seats it every time. You just put a little bit of mud over top of it, folks. I have not put up a sheet of drywall in my life. But my hope is, is that, whoa, <laughs> I'm not going to buy everything that is advertised ever again. I hid it from my wife because, you know, she don't like me spending money. I shouldn't be spending, you know. She's still my girlfriend, but I mean. If you've ever been deceived, if you've ever, somebody's ever taught you something biblically in a Christian and you found out, man, I believe that it was wrong, I think that's a good thing. I think that's a good thing because when you realize that and you see this true teaching in the Scriptures, you think, ooh, I should be careful all the time. Yes. I should have a little bit of the fear of the Lord all the time. Yes. Be careful about what is taught. Be on guard when you listen to a religious speaker, read a book, a devotion, whatever it is. Study under someone. Be in a Bible study so that you know. I had somebody come up to me <laughs> this morning. We were talking the other day. We are in Bible study and their thinking was is every one of us sins every day and we're in thought and deed. I'm a sinner. I'm a human. And that's what they thought. And I said, can you prove that biblically? And some of you know you can't. That is not what is taught. You don't come to know Jesus Christ so you continue in your sin. If you continue in your sin, there's no difference between you and somebody who's not a Christian. The blood of Christ, we sang it at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light for the blood of Christ to come in and change me and make me different. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Number three in your notes. There's the yeast of influence. The yeast of influence. I remember somebody once said that uh, they had a one-word definition for leadership, and their one-word definition for leadership was influence. If you're influencing, have the ability to influence somebody, and that can be on any level. It can be a parent to a child, whatever it might be. Influence. And so what's the difference between influence and inspiration? Think about somebody like Billy Graham. He spoke to people, preached, talked about Jesus Christ, led people to Christ. He was an influencer. He was inspirational. And it all applies good for him, right? And then you think about somebody like Jim Jones. Preached about Jesus. Influenced a lot of people. 
So much so that they committed suicide by drinking the Kool-Aid. The question about influence has to do with, is it a positive, is it negative, is it truth, is it not? Jesus taught that the kingdom of heaven starts in you. Do you know a lot of people, and I used to think this way, that the kingdom of heaven starts when I die and go to heaven. That is not, not true. The kingdom of heaven is established in the heart of a person who turns away from their sin and turns to Jesus Christ. And then the Spirit comes to live inside of us. The kingdom of heaven is in here. It's inside of us. There's not walls and barriers. It's established here and is carried on into the kingdom. Do you remember the Lord's Prayer that Jesus told us to pray? Jesus said, make sure when you pray, pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He was wanting his kingdom to come into the hearts and the lives of his people. And true followers of Jesus Christ, the kingdom is started inside each and every one of you. I have Matthew 13, 33. Jesus constantly told these little parable stories so we would get all these little pictures of what the kingdom is to be like, starting here on earth. Here's verse 33 of Matthew 13. Jesus is speaking. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. It would affect all of the dough. She takes a little piece of uh, something that's already got it in it and she mixes it in and the entire flour batch, the water, it's all affected. It's all going to now rise. It's going to have the attributes of yeast. This passage of Scripture says, Evan, Christians need to mix in where they live. Take a little bit of yeast, you work it in. The kingdom of heaven is like Christians who are like yeast. They're not all that big and they're all that gifted. They're not all that popular. But the kingdom of heaven with the Spirit of God inside each and every one. Wherever you are at, you're somehow uniquely gifted to be there. We're supposed to mix in in our schools. I get it. Some of the schools, they're, they're teaching things that are hard, this, that, the other. But the question I would say to you is, are you going to be involved? When your children are there or when your children are not there, maybe you're going to homeschool, okay, good. But for those of you who are there, when are you going to become a, a part of the school board? When are you going to be a little bit of yeast there? When are you going to be a blessing to the teachers? When are you going to be the one that maybe you have some things that you like and don't like, but you're the one that's, you know, you bring a basket for your kid's teacher. Oh, here. here. Here's some bread and some jam or whatever it might be. Thank you. And that gives you the right, the opportunity to get in and to possibly say something and challenge some things. Why are we abandoning our schools? We're supposed to be influential. How about our kids' extracurricular activity? <laughs> How about sports or whatever it might be? Some of you know Tony Semple from Lifeline. He's about 6'6", six, six, something like that. And he gives his life to Christ, and six months later, his kid's playing football, and he's the assistant. And he says, hey, why don't we pray before we start here? And he's mixing in. He told me this morning, he said, hey, guess what, Evan? He says, I, uh, I went to my son's game. I'm not a coach anymore, but they asked me to pray before the game. Christians, are you making any influence at all? What would happen if every Christian said, you know what? I, I, we love you, we, we like playing here, but we're not going to play on Sunday mornings. Church is more important than that. Well, what would happen if all Christians did that? Not as a jerk, 
It has somebody kind. It's somebody with a good approach. Somebody saying this is important. Who's going to step up in our neighborhoods? We're supposed to be the yeast. Maybe you're in some type of an association or whatever. Are you the one everybody's trying to avoid? Because somehow or another you're walking around with your big old Bible hitting everybody on the head with it. I love the fact that I know several politicians involved in government that are fighting a good fight. I mean, they're taking some attack. They're taking some pressure. But I love the fact that I know some men and some women who are taking their Christianity as a little bit of yeast and they're working it in. And they're under some attacks. But I guess what concerns me is I think Christians a lot of handed politics over to the lost because we don't want our children in it. We don't want our kids being, getting up. Heaven knows we wouldn't want them to be insulted, put down, or go through some type of trial because they stood for Jesus Christ. The yeast of influence is because of the fact that we're to seek the kingdom of God first and all the other things will be added to us. That's our verse of the year. That is our verse of the year. But be careful because the yeast of the world and the yeast of whatever is evil is trying to affect you is trying to get into you and is trying to get into me. It's trying to change and teach people, you know, th- th- this whole creation thing, we're not even, even going to teach it, you know. Let's teach everybody evolution. Because evolution says there's no moral code, just so you know. That's what it goes back to. Uh, they'll, t- they'll want to get their system of justice inside you and me so we can just kind of go away from true justice. They'll want us to understand about the sexuality that makes no sense, but, you know, call somebody, whoever they are or whatever they want to be, no matter what anything says about them. Influence. I mean, every one of us here knows what a bell is today. Probably because of the guy who invented the telephone, Alexander Graham Bell. I mean, you don't think of a bell and think of Nunnally. Bell. That's how influential he was. Yeast. That's how influential you're supposed to be. You think, I ain't got any big plans. You don't need big plans. You need just a little bit of yeast. Getting in. It's doing one little thing at a time. In love. Not as a jerk. In love. You are either being influenced or you are the influencer when it comes to Christianity. Now, have in your notes there a fungus among us. Some kind of phrase that, you know, kind of is out there for the fungus among us. You know, I think about... Um, Everybody's so happy that Odell Beckham is on our football team. And I just think, man, that guy's a fungus. He, he's a prima donna. I, I personally just think, you get one person on a good team, he either comes in line or he takes everybody else down. You've been on a team, a football team, a soccer team, a hockey team, you get one person on there and they're the, kind of the bad apple, the little fungus among us before you know it, it's all turning down. You've probably all been in the workplace where well, you finally had this wonderful team of people together. And somebody came in, and they had some chip on their shoulder because something else happened to them, and they're constantly defending themselves. They're constantly being, well, we're getting picked on. And all of a sudden, before you know it, everybody's walking around on pins and needles because everybody's afraid. Everybody's like, this one person has affected the whole batch. Interesting thing. Uh, that can be a negative, but uh, fungus... Uh, Yeast is a, is a type of fungus. 
It's got some pretty good qualities. It can convert sugar and, and it can turn flour into bread. Some bread you can rise and smell it. You slice it when it's fresh. You put it in the toaster. You put some butter on it. A little bit of jam. All because of the fungus. If you got bread in your house, you got fungus among us. The, the passage of Scripture says to me, Evan, you want to be the kind of fungus that spreads and affects. In your notes, I have the asterisk of the central point I'd like to say to you today, folks. Everywhere you go, a little bit of you gets into others. Everywhere you go, every person you're around, a little bit of you gets into them. As Christians, we're supposed to take that calling that we're the yeast and a little bit of us getting in, working in, working into the batch. Maybe holding people accountable, making a difference, being a blessing. Folks, if you're a Christian and you work for somebody, you ought to be the best employer that they have, whether they're a believer or not. Don't you go there and think, well, I'm a Christian, this, that, the other. You, the Bible says we work as we work unto the Lord. We ought to be the best employees. We ought to be the ones that they want to hire. Everywhere you go, a little bit of you gets into others. And the question is, I want to ask you, is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I mean, everybody that sits here today, you all know that you can buy those little packs of yeast today and there's an expiration date. And I guess when it gets expired and it's too far along, it don't work. You can add it, but it just don't work. Christianity is the same way. Is your Christianity out of date? It's out of date because you don't have time for a Bible study. You don't have time for prayer. You certainly don't have time to open the Bible and read it. You, 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 know, you don't have time to serve. You don't have time to get, you know. Is your Christianity out of date and ineffective? This is a time to understand what we carry and what we're intended to do. The Bible tells us we should be significant in the world, not for ourselves. We must become less, and Jesus must become greater. And the bottom of your notes, I simply have a little bit of you and Jesus, right? Don't go by yourself, that's for sure. A little bit of you and Jesus Christ. Here's a definition for the, what the yeast does in leaven. Tell me this isn't the perfect example of why Jesus Christ said, everywhere you go, a little bit of you, a little bit of the kingdom needs to go. Look at the definition in your notes. An element, influence, or agent that works subtly to lighten enliven or modify a whole. Isn't that what we're supposed to be? A little bit of us enlightens and livens and kind of affects the whole batch. I asked you when we started today, what if a friend of yours asked you about, what do you know about mediums? And that's exactly what happened to me this past week. A friend of mine who had, this guy's been going to church 20 years. And he asked me the question, what do you think about medians? You know, and I'm just like, well, there's at least two answers. Number one, if somebody's a median talking to the dead and talk, telling you what the dead is saying, they're either fake or they're demonic. Check the Bible. You check the Bible. That's exactly what it teaches. And then I started thinking. He said, well, and I, 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 sometimes... My problem is I talk before I think sometimes. And I started back up and I said, well, why are you asking about this? And he had recently lost somebody in his life. And he was watching 
a television show and they had a book there for somebody who was a median about somebody talking to the dead. And my friend was wanting to know. This person that passed away, I just got to know if they made it, if they made it into heaven. And, you know, sometimes you think, okay, now, do I be kind to them and care about their feelings more than telling them the truth? A little bit of me is going to get into them. A little bit of what I've learned. But a little bit of when I've done it wrong should also get into me. And I said, you know, there's one way to know that your friend is in heaven. What did they do with Jesus while they were alive? The kingdom of heaven starts on this side. I would like to think that it's not that way, but you read the scriptures. It is that way. You get into heaven when your eternal soul lets Christ in on this side. I didn't know how I left it, but later that day he sent me a text. Evan, thank you for your straightforwardness. Thank you for your honesty. I like when I talk about these things. You know, I, I know that you're not going to pull any punches, this, that, the other. But it's still at the same time, it gives us no right to be mean, sarcastic, or arrogant. We're to approach everything with a heart of love. Father, today you teach us the picture of yeast. Today you teach us about complacency and religiosity and influence. And you've taught us so very much today about how we're supposed to be effective in the kingdom. My whole goal today, Jesus, is would people just take the time to ask themselves the question, am I being an influence anywhere I'm at? And Lord, sometimes we're thinking, well, how would I be an influence here? I don't know the answer to all that. But I know that if they ask you, you promise to give wisdom. How can they be a Christian influence, bringing the yeast of the kingdom of heaven to wherever they're at so that we might spread like yeast through about 60 pounds of flour. May we spread wherever it is that you send us. Here we are. Send us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.